Section two of Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume One by Washington Irving. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume One by Washington Irving. The author's apology. The following work, in which, at the outset, nothing more was contemplated than a temporary jeu d'esprit, was commenced in company with my brother, the late Peter Irving Esquire. Our idea was to parody a small handbook which had recently appeared, entitled A Picture of New York. Like that, our work was to begin an historical sketch, to be followed by notices of the customs, manners, and institutions of the city, written in a serio-comic vein, and treating local errors, follies, and abuses with good-humoured satire. To burlesque the pedantic lore displayed in certain American works, our historical sketch was to commence with the creation of the world, and we laid all kinds of works under contribution for trite citations, relevant and irrelevant, to give it the proper air of learned research. Before this crude mass of mock erudition could be digested into form, my brother departed for Europe, and I was left to prosecute the enterprise alone. I now altered the plan of the work. Discarding all idea of a parody on the picture of New York, I determined that what had been originally intended as an introductory sketch should comprise the whole work and form a comic history of the city. I accordingly molded the mass of citations and disquisitions into introductory chapters, forming the first book, and it soon became evident to me that, like Robinson Crusoe with his boat, I had begun on too large a scale, and that to launch my history successfully I must reduce its proportions. I accordingly resolved to confine it to the period of the Dutch domination, which, in its rise, progress, and decline, presented that unity of subject required by classic rule. It was a period also, at that time, almost a terra incognito in history. In fact, I was surprised to find how few of my fellow citizens were aware that New York had ever been called New Amsterdam, or had heard of the names of the early Dutch governors, or cared a straw about their ancient Dutch progenitors. This then broke upon me as the poetic age of our city, poetic from its very obscurity, and open like the early and obscure days of ancient Rome to all the embellishments of heroic fiction. I held my native city as fortunate above all other American cities in having an antiquity thus extending back into the regions of doubt and fable. Neither did I conceive I was committing any grievous historical sin in helping out the few facts I could collect in this remote and forgotten region, with figments of my own brain, or in giving characteristic attributes to the few names connected with it which I might dig up from oblivion. In this, doubtless, I reasoned like a young and inexperienced writer, besotted with his own fancies, and my presumptuous trespasses into this sacred though neglected region of history have met with deserved rebuke from men of soberer minds. It is too late, however, to recall the shaft thus rashly launched. To any one whose sense of fitness it may wound, I can only say with Hamlet, Let my disclaiming from a purposed evil free me so far in your most generous thoughts that I have shot my arrow o'er the house and 
hurt my brother. I will say this in further apology for my work, that if it has taken an unwarrantable liberty with our early provincial history, it has at least turned attention to that history and provoked research. It is only since this work appeared that the forgotten archives of the province have been rummaged, and the facts and personages of the olden time rescued from the dust of oblivion and elevated into whatever importance they may actually possess. The main object of my work, in fact, had a bearing wide from the sober aim of history, by one which I trust will meet with some indulgence from poetic minds. It was to embody the traditions of our city in an amusing form, to illustrate its local humors, customs, and peculiarities, to clothe home scenes and places and familiar names with those imaginative and whimsical associations so seldom met with in our new country, but which live like charms and spells about the cities of the old world, binding the heart of the native inhabitant to his home. In this I have reason to believe I have in some measure succeeded. Before the appearance of my work, the popular traditions of our city were unrecorded. The peculiar and racy customs and usages derived from our Dutch progenitors were unnoticed, or regarded with indifference, or adverted to with a sneer. Now they form a convivial currency, and are brought forward on all occasions. They link our whole community together in good humor and good fellowship. They are the rallying points of home feeling, the seasoning of our civic festivities, the staple of local tales and local pleasantries, and are so harped upon by our writers of popular fiction that I find myself almost crowded off the legendary ground which I was the first to explore by the host who have followed in my footsteps. I dwell on this head because, at the first appearance of my work, its aim and drift were misapprehended by some of the descendants of the Dutch worthies, and because I understand that now and then one may still be found to regard it with a captious eye. The far greater part, however, I have reason to flatter myself, receive my good-humored pictures in the same temper with which they were executed, and when I find, after a lapse of nearly forty years, this haphazard production of my youth still cherished among them, when I find its very name become a household word, and used to give the home stamp to everything recommended for popular acceptation, such as Knickerbocker societies, Knickerbocker insurance companies, Knickerbocker steamboats, Knickerbocker omnibuses, Knickerbocker bread, and Knickerbocker ice. And when I find New Yorkers of Dutch descent priding themselves upon being genuine Knickerbockers, I please myself with the persuasion that I have struck the right chord, that my dealings with the good old Dutch times and the customs and usages derived from them are in harmony with the feelings and humors of my townsmen, that I have opened a vein of pleasant associations and quaint characteristics peculiar to my native place, and which its inhabitants will not willingly suffer to pass away, and that, though other histories of New York may appear of higher claims to learned acceptation, and may take their dignified and appropriate rank in the family library, Knickerbocker's history will still be received with good-humored indulgence, and be thumbed and chuckled over by the family fireside. Sunnyside, 1848, W.I. End of Section 2